Everybody, 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 drop your Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. I'm Evan Ross Katz. And we are back talking about the Traders episodes five and six. We're at the midway point, just beyond the midway point. Uh, Evan, how are you feeling? As uh, Ali Main once sang, I'm off the deep end, watch as I dive in. <laughs> I feel like we like are fully in at this point. I feel like things are starting to happen. Um, the new cast, I am a little bit <laughs> more familiar with at this point. Like, a little bit. I know a few of their names. Yeah. Um, which which names do you know, just out of curiosity? Okay, so, well, I know that Alex left, because I wrote that in my notes. Alex left? Excuse me, Amanda left. I wasn't <laughs> looking at my notes. <laughs> okay, wait, I know that Aza is gone not wait azra is gone yeah a queen icon i know that christian is there mm-hmm. i know quentin mm-hmm. by the way is quentin family i don't know i know it could go either way quentin's really pointing at everybody as the traitor that's not a traitor as as one of our one of our listeners sent me a video of like a compilation of quentin just guessing people as the traitor, not a compilation. It was like a scene that mm-hmm. from from these episodes where Quentin's like, "Well, what if it's this person? I think it's this person," and n- n- nobody he names is a traitor. Mm. Um, is there a Joel? No. Joy, Joy. That's the mole. Shit. Okay. Yeah, that's all. I, that's all I got. <laughs> okay. But that's yeah, definitely good. engaged, and I just want to say I continue to eat crow on the fact that like. This is Suri's Drag Race. Like, this show is centered around Suri. This show does not exist without Suri. Um, and I think that the producers should be very lucky that they were able to get someone as dynamic as Suri, both in the game and, you know, in Talking Head, heads, plural. Um, yeah, I'm just loving seeing Suri. And then, like, also in my head, just being like, I think I said this last time, but it's like, where has she been? Like, why has she not been a staple of reality television? I it, I just don't understand. Agreed. Totally. It's, a, it's amazing that it? she can be iconic in multiple things because you associate her so closely with Survivor and Survivor is such a specific game and this is so wildly different. And yet here she is like bringing the Suri energy to this show. Yeah, and I think, like, Survivor kind of, like, boxed her in a bit by, like, making her narrative, like, Suri, oh, the one who got off the couch? And it's, like, that is her Panama narrative. That is, like, a one-season narrative. She has evolved. Like, there are eras of Suri. So the idea that, like, that's the Suri implanted in some people's minds is so frustrating because it's, like, sure, that happened, But that would be like, again, uh, I was going to say, like, that would be like saying that Lady Gaga is just the fame. And then it's like, well, yes, and. And Joanne. And Joanne. And Cheek to Cheek. And Ali Main. And uh, the woman from that Robert Rodriguez movie. Yeah, that one too. Machete? Uh, Machete Kills. 
Machete Wait, Kills. Is, or is Machete Kills a band? No, no, no. I think you're right. I think it's, it's Machete, Machete Kills. Machete Kills, yeah. I think I was thinking of Natalia Kills. Yeah. Remember her? Lady Gaga knockoff. Canceled. Canceled. Canceled because of an Australian reality TV show. How about that? How about it? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is also big moments, I think, for Kate on the show. And I'm curious to check in with you on your thoughts on Kate Chastain from Below Deck. So I would be very curious to hear <clears throat> both your Sean thought your Sean's thoughts as well as our listeners, but I'll just say that like I think Kate is a casting mistake. I realize that a lot of people think this is iconography, and I'm willing to like understand why I'm wrong here, but I feel like the energy that she's bringing I could appreciate it when it comes to the round tables or in the social dynamics. When it comes to the challenges themselves, if you are going to, and again, we know these challenges don't really matter, like everyone's playing on the same team, but I think one of the things you sign up for when you do a show like this is, you know, the teamwork effort, participating in the challenges, giving a fuck about the show. Like you don't have to give a fuck about the people, but you have to want to be there. And I just think Kate's attitude is like so diabolical right now. She doesn't have anyone that she's playing with. Everyone doesn't like her. I don't think it makes for an entertaining character because we've had versions of this on Survivor, right? Like I'm thinking about who is the woman in season 21 that has the breakdown and puts the guy's shoes in the water? The snakeskin shoes? Holly? Holly, yeah. Okay, Holly's a great example of someone who like broke down and then like came back from that and redeemed herself. And I don't think that's in the trajectory for Kate. And so I just feel like it's a bummer. What I was craving was when the team tells the news to Alan and he's sort of like, what's going on, Kate? And then she's like, I just didn't try. I was craving a moment of Alan snapping at her and mm. being like, then get out of here. Like, then what like are you doing full here? full Jeff Probst. Yeah, I, like it was, it warranted that. So uh, yeah, you tell me, where are you at with Kate? Yeah, I would say that watching these episodes, certainly re-watching them, I'm really frustrated with Kate. I see, I like obviously she's bringing value to the show, it's just sometimes with these reality shows, and I, I used to see this on Big Brother sometimes, especially, well, actually, no, I saw it on both American and UK Big Brother. And it's, I think, part of the reason I stopped watching the US Big Brother was it felt like people were coming in ready to play a character, which is expected on reality TV. We talk about that a lot, but ready to play like an adversarial character to the point where the energy is so mismatched with what's actually going on that it comes off as like really performative and also like off-putting. Like it, it is in some way sort of like ruining the experience of watching the show because you have people who are on one plane playing a game and another person who is literally only creating chaos with no... There's one thing to create chaos as a means to an end where you're like throwing people off and like, you know, maybe they're going to keep you around as a shield because you're an easy, whatever. I don't think that this game works that way or it certainly doesn't at this point. And that's not what I think Kate is genuine here and saying like, I don't want to be here anymore. And yet she doesn't want to quit. We don't know why that is. There may be a, an appearance fee involved in this. Sometimes when you quit, you forfeit your appearance fee or a part of it. That could be uh, an aspect of what's at play here. But 
you know, especially in episode six where like she's refusing to participate in the barrel rolling challenge and just like generally being really unpleasant. Uh, it, it is off-putting. Right. And like, there's just, if you're anyone else in that cast, you're not going to befriend her. Like she has no redemptive qualities whatsoever. And you kind of want that from her. I also think Kate to me, and again, I didn't know who Kate was coming into this show. Kate is sort of like a reminder to me of like the ever lowering bar of like reality television icons. You know, like we were raised on Tiffany Pollard. We were raised on, um, what's her name that went to the White House? Omarosa. Omarosa. We were raised on Nene Leakes. You know, we were raised on Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Like we, there just used to be (laughs) real pillars of reality television. And if this is like the it girl right now, I think that speaks more about the medium than it does about Kate. Because for me, she's just, she's bringing nothing but like over it energy um, from a cast that is for the most part, like overly eager to be a part of this. So it just feels so mismatched. I will say, like, and and I'm talking specifically about these episodes when I'm talking about this, because I actually think that earlier on, and I won't say whether she's going to survive or not survive, because we did have a cliffhanger in episode six of, like, what's going to happen at the round table. Um, But, you know, looking at the previous episodes and looking at these episodes, like, I do think there's a a broader picture of Kate. and certainly I'm not like completely sold, but I, I'm not not sold. I'm not walking away because I do think that there's something there. It's just like, it just requires a little calibration to be in line with everything else going on. I think they're like, I I don't know below deck. I, I know that people really like it. And uh, I, it's not as big as a housewives sort of show, but I, I know that it's got like a following. And I know that Kate has like a little bit of lore around below deck being like a very, very long time, if not the most long time uh, cast member of that. I, I'm making this up. I don't know actually, but, but I do know that there's like sort of a story to Kate in below deck. And so there's got to be something there and it may just be like a growing pain of like going from that into a competition reality show and like trying to figure out, okay, how do I bring the energy that I bring on below deck to a competition? Uh, And I think Brandy struggled with that too, to be honest. I mean, like she wasn't around long enough to see how she was going to react, you know, come this point in the game. Um, Like she may have struggled with this as well. And I, I think to some extent she did a little bit in those early episodes. I think so, but I think the difference is that Brandy Glanville understands what being on television does for her career. You know, she understands the necessity of, in order to be relevant, she needs to be on screen. And part of what I don't understand about Kate's air quotes strategy is that, like, she's basically begging them to kick her off, which means she won't be on the show. Um, and I just think that's strange because anyone that agreed to be on the show did so because they most likely either want the paycheck that comes from the show, but also from being back in the mix. You know what I mean? And by back in the mix, it's like the possibilities are like putting, you know, back on the radar of survivor casting directors in the case of Suri and Stephanie or the challenge. Like there's very much, we're getting a big cinematic universe that's building out right now. And so... I would think if you're Kate and you took this opportunity, it's because you want to expand beyond the Bravoverse, but like, this is not the way to do it. 
Okay. Uh, I do think that Kate has like a couple of iconic moments in these episodes and we will get to them, but I want to, I want to pause there uh, because let's talk a little bit about what's going on because the last time we talked, we had Sari confronting Cody about being too close to Ryan and Sari ultimately gets her way here because the traitors do murder Ryan Lochte and Wow. Talk about a dud. I mean, like you've got two sides of the spectrum here. You've got Kate uh, on the extreme and you've got Ryan who made no impact whatsoever. Yeah, I kind of like wanted him around because I feel like <laughs> besides Brandy, he was the biggest get by way of mm. casting. Um, and I think there was the most expectations around like what he would bring because he's the one non he's the one famous person who's not of reality television beginnings. Um, there at one time was a legitimacy to Ryan Lochte and his career, Mm. albeit short-lived. But yeah, he brought nothing. I will say, I do feel like the ending of episode... So wait, when did this... This went down in episode... The end of episode four, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. This is like very classic traders, both US and UK, where it's like, we go really hard on a plot line that like doesn't really make sense. Like... First of all, Cody and Ryan aren't that close, but even if they were that close, that, like, doesn't matter at all um, to anyone's strategy. It wouldn't be a benefit, really, to Cody, only, like, he'd have someone's loyalty, but, like, Cody could just be like, hey, you've got Stephanie, who you're really close with. So it's one of those things where it's like, yes, in the end, Suri won, and it was definitely enjoyable to watch as a fan of Suri's and an active non-fan of Cody's. But at the same time, this is one of those moments where you're sort of like, okay, I have to suspend what little understanding I have of this game and yeah. just understand that like they're telling me the stakes are high, so I am accepting that the stakes are high. Yeah, yeah. And then at breakfast, when it is revealed that Ryan is the one that was murdered, you have this shot of Cody telling Kyle, who is still on the show, that he uh, that that Ryan had told Cody that he suspected Kyle, Rachel, and Ari as traitors, which was like a confusing move. And I feel like Cody's really starting to like break down a little bit here, where it's like. I thought that Christian was the dummy and I feel like Cody's turning into the dummy here because like to, to do this and then that the second he does this, that Kyle's like, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Why would he say that? This none of this makes sense is like a big problem. Right. It's just in terms of this sort of storytelling, it's like, yes, it doesn't make sense, but I would like to understand at the very least from Cody's perspective, mm-hmm. why it makes sense for Cody, which we never get. Like he, yeah, says it and then it's like made clear in his limited confessionals that like he regrets doing it but like in the moment what motivated him to do it and i think cody is just i mean we said it from the outset i think cody was a dud to be cast on this show but especially to be like given the title of traitor and also like cody just gives the worst talking heads he's so boring (laughs) he's not fun to watch he's not cute enough to like be entertained solely by cuteness you know what i mean like yeah there's some people where it's like, I can, I'll appreciate the visual enough that I can move past the lack of what they're giving. He does not meet that bar. I like, can't even like imagine Cody sexually. Like, it's just not, like, I understand I mean, I he's imagine. objectively, I can't. It's like, it's giving Kendall where it's just like, I don't know. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, you're right, but I could imagine. I have a good imagination. Oh wait, like I mean, okay, I, I, okay, I can imagine. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, anyway, all this to say, I just think that Cody, it's sort of a bummer because, yeah, you just want to, I'm a big fan of like, even when someone does something crazy, I like understanding the perspective of the crazy mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And with Cody, Even if the perspective is flawed, like at least we're brought into their right. world and we're like, you know, even if we know that the perspective is flawed, then we go into it and we're like, okay, we're about to watch a train wreck. Right. And but I do yeah, feel like that. on a show like The Traders, it's like the moment this like happened, it was very clear that like, we are going, this is going to be a plot point. Hmm. Like Cody, like that small little innocuous comment, it's like, that's going to be the thing that like snaps us into action. But at the same time, I excuse me, at the same time, I kind of love that about the show a little bit because I'm like, it just takes like one fleeting comment and then all of a sudden, all the attention can turn to you. I mean, look at, you know, what happened with Amanda on UK where it was like not even in the conversation says one thing and all of a sudden it's like, bitch, you're out of here. Yeah, totally. And I felt that way with That was like an affectionate bitch. Yeah, of course. Okay. Obviously. Yeah, I'm just making it clear. (laughs) I felt that way, not with a comment, but with the piece of paper. Like you saw that piece of paper come out earlier this season and you were like, okay, this is going to become a thing. Yep. And it did, like for a little bit. That disappeared. Speaking of which... (laughs) Can we touch down briefly on Stephanie LaGrosa? Give me top line. We had big expectations going into this, I think particularly because of her performance on Snake in the Grass. Where are you at with Stephanie episodes five and six? Disappointed. I think that she, she has the right energy of a faithful. It's almost too right of an energy where I don't think that anybody legitimately would suspect her of being a traitor. I think part of that comes from having two fellow players from Snake in the Grass where she was the traitor and that it was too obvious. Uh, So I feel like them vouching for her has kind of like taken a lot of heat, any potential heat that there would be on her off of her. And then I think she's just kind of like a nice woman. And so (laughs) it's not like really standing out in a big way. It's standing out to me because I like her and I'm looking for her, but a casual viewer tuning in, I'm not sure that they're taking the name Stephanie LaGrosa away from this show. For sure. Also, just thinking about Stephanie LaGrosa and then like Kate Chastain, like they're on two different television shows. But yeah, but I, I did really like at the round table when Kate Chastain said, fuck you to Stephanie LaGrosa, because I was like, truly never imagined I would see something like that. Totally. Said to, my, also, <laughs> said to my queen, my oolong queen. Um, I will say, too, it's like fun watching Stephanie in particularly the barrel challenge, because it's like Stephanie cares like yeah. immensely and like. She's a dream when it comes to the casting director for a show like this, because, you know, when it comes to a lot of these people, even those that have done, you know, competition based reality in the past, that the barrel is a is a particularly like challenging challenge, one of the few. And you need people that are like game to really do it. If everyone had reacted like Kate, it really falls apart. Like you need someone to like be invested and not in the same way that like Rachel was invested where it's like do or die with Stephanie. It's just kind of like, I just like com- competition. I want to win. Yeah. I just got a also, bad I thought it was track like, record with winning. 
That's true. I thought it was really heartening seeing the friendship between Stephanie and Rachel. It was like really genuine. And it was one of those like smaller moments that, you know, made you understand something much bigger. That was like, you know, the root was like, hey, these two are really here for one another, despite the fact that, you know, we haven't gotten a lot of the two of them talking about any kind of alliance or what have you. It's just like Stephanie clearly likes Rachel and vice versa. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and I think that there was that moment where Stephanie vouches for Rachel at the round table as well, where she's like, look, I can tell you that this woman is not a traitor. And it's like, okay, you're also saying that about Sari. So, you know, the read is right. maybe not perfect, but like, I appreciate that you're putting your neck out on the line for this person. Can we, speaking of women that are not traitors, uh, can we touch down briefly on the exit of Amanda? Absolutely. So Amanda disappears at the end of episode five, look, the first time I watched this, I didn't notice. Like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, no, now, it was on, definitely On like, the rewatch, yeah. it was like, uh, of course, Alan says it. Alan says it in the round table room. I missed that. And then I skipped the previously on because I was watching it all in a row where it said again. And it took me like two more episodes to realize Amanda wasn't there, which is wild. And embarrassing and so for me. You told me the backstory is that like she got COVID, um, which like yeah. raises a number of questions <laughs> about like how <laughs> just she got COVID and ye- just knowing how much testing goes on. And like this is, if this were a show with bigger stakes, like if she was a bigger character, like they go to great lengths to avoid stuff like this happening on shows like this for this very reason. They got really lucky that it was such a non-entity, but like, what if Sari would have gotten COVID? Mm. Like, how would they have advanced on? Like, it's just, I don't know, very strange. You would think there'd be very rigorous testing protocols in the lead up, but especially during, also like, I I don't know. I'm, yeah, whatever. I don't know anything about it. I don't understand, and I can't remember if I brought this up on our last recap because I forgot to mention in the first one. I have no idea if I brought this up last time, but that there there is a story out there, which is true. <laughs> it's not just a fake story, but it's a real story that uh, th- there was, if you recall, the beginning of the UK traders. They take the sort of Hogwarts Express in, you know, to Scotland and, they, they, you know, they're on that train. They're all meeting each other. That scene was filmed for the US and they had to scrap it and refilm an entrance scene because somebody had to get swapped out because an original cast member who was on the train tested positive for COVID at some point on day one. So it's like, not only is it confusing that like nobody else got it, or maybe Amanda got it and it only showed up like days later. But wouldn't that have know. shut down production like temporarily? You would think, and like, and like what, how is the test coming in at this time? It's reminding me of when Kamala Harris was on The View and oh, Sunny and Anna got removed because God. their tests came back positive halfway through the show. It's like, Wait. don't if we're doing tests, why aren't we getting the results at a time when like the thing that the test is meant to prevent is actually happening? I don't get it. You mentioning that episode of The View. Did you watch it live in real time? Yeah. Was that actually no? I didn't. No, I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying. I'm lying. I did not watch it live in real time, but I had Kevin my friend of Deja The View fame, texting me and being like, oh my God, they just removed Sonny and Anna. What's going on? 
Like, why are they? And and he was kind of like, because they said nothing. He was like, wait, they just asked the two women of color to leave the stage before Kamala Harris comes out. And they haven't explained why. And that mm-hmm. looks weird. And then the rest of the show just fell apart. First of all, stop lying on the pod, Sean. <clears throat> Second of all, um, I feel like, not. I know this is not Deja of the View, but I feel like that was the last big, big moment of the view. Like I know we're getting like whoopee farted on air moments, but like but like That's I think not like big. yeah, like big big like yeah. Cuz I remember I interviewed Sunny Hostin shortly after that had happened and it was like she like wanted to talk about it. She had some mm. stuff to say. Anyway, <laughs> get her on the traders. I love how that's our whenever oh we God. deviate, we always get back by just being like whoever we talked about, get them on the show. Get them. Get on them Survivor. on Survivor. Bring, bring her back. <laughs> I remember one time saying, "Bring Cheryl Lloyd back." <clears throat> and I Swagger stand Jagger. by that. Swagger Jagger. <laughs> she had another song. Can I you was name any other Cheryl Lloyd songs? There was a time I could name a second one. With your love, featuring Mike Posner. Good song. What happened? It's a to good him? karaoke song. The only problem is nobody knows it, so it's not a good karaoke song. But like, it's a fun one to sing. Not going to sing it now. I was about to ask you to, but I was like, I don't know, Sean. Would no, like break we don't need that. It. Oh, I I remember "Want You Back." Oh, of course, "Want You Isn't Back" was her big U.S. Back? single. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Two hundred twenty-eight million streams, baby. She, I, I feel really bad about her career. Uh, it really goes for everybody who was on the exit. Like, look at Leona Lewis. Leona Lewis was primed for, like, they had her on Oprah as, literally the Oprah episode was like, the next Whitney Houston. And it's because they, it's all Simon Cowell's fault. He's an idiot. Yeah. I will say, though, Happy, her song Happy, oh. deserved better. Oh. That note towards the end. There, there. Hello. <laughs> the specific performance of Happy on America's Got Talent finale, and the way she... The thing about Leona Lewis is she has an incredible voice. She doesn't have... It's ironic that she won the X Factor because she doesn't have the X Factor. She has a beautiful voice. She has, she has a great recording artist. She's not always a great live singer. But what that does is like the moments that she does give a great live performance, it's incredible. It's transcendent. But that's paired with all of the performances that are not so hot. And the America's Got Talent performance of Happy is like a perfect mix between the two because it's like she goes for, there's this one note towards the end, like right after the bridge. And she goes for it and she, it's like she just misses, but enough that it still, it's close enough that it still works. (sighs) Wow. That one does things for me. Anyway, get her on the traders. Get her on the (laughs) Get her on the traders UK. Her and Cher Lloyd on the traders UK. You know, there could be some, you know, the challenge when they do the the church bells and everything. Yeah. There could be some reworking of that where it's like a live vocal component. Absolutely. Okay. I love that idea. Okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the Traders US. And I want to talk about the mission in episode five, because we talked a lot about the barrel challenge, but let's talk about the, the chapel challenge. I don't know what it is. There's all these sort of like... Uh, a, a, what do you call those parishionals a, a congregation uh at the chapel they're wearing masks this of course in the uk is when they brought two people back which mm-hmm. they should have just done so 
I love the uh, production value of the challenge, and I genuinely think like it's very scary and it's really, really fun. The problem with the challenge from the viewer perspective is every round feels exactly the same. Yeah, And so five rounds of it, it's sort of like we need to move on or like make it a little bit more complex because basically they're running to the back so that Alan can just tell them, I think it's two numbers, chapter, whatever, paragraph, whatever. So it's like, not like it's a hard thing to remember. Then again, mind you, they're racing back, but it doesn't matter who wins. And you know what? It kind of reminds me of RuPaul in Snatch Game, when at the end of every episode, RuPaul's like, who who won today's Snatch Game? It doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, (laughs) I think we need that same energy to this show overall. you're right. Which is to say that like, we need to acknowledge the fact that, like, yes, there's teams, but like, it doesn't matter. Lean so into I the think there's sense of it. Yeah, yeah. So there's some definite flaws, but again, I appreciate the production value, and it worked out again that you have people like Stephanie and Cody and a few others that are like really invested. But I feel like if you are not a front and center character. Already, this challenge was not going to help you in any way. Like, the stragglers fell back. Angelica? Who? Who? Oh, the one that cries all the time. Exactly. Where was she in this challenge? Also, the riddles, not great. They're not great riddles. Like, they were actually distinctly bad riddles, I would say. Yeah. We, if anyone is listening to this podcast and was... One of the actors portraying the masked figures in the church, please call in and... And I want to hear about the COVID testing protocols. Hello. And do you think they're the same actors that were used in UK? What if that's where Amanda got COVID? But they're wearing masks. It would have been the same day, too. If I was Amanda, I would have simply worn a mask. Okay, so (laughs) after the... Oh, wait, there is one thing I want to talk about in the mission, which is the watch flub that happened because the answer to one of the riddles was a watch. They were looking for somebody in the church with a watch. The problem was these actors, these like extras... I don't think we're told to take off their watches. And so like one of the teams is like, well, that guy's wearing a watch and then he covers it up and they're like, well, he covered it up. Does he not want us to see it? Or like, is he just trying to hide it? And so like they go to him, wrong, wrong watch. They needed like a flashy watch, but like that seems like a mistake on production's part. After the mission at the castle, uh, they're doing a little pre-strategy before the round table. And uh, we get, yeah, go ahead. I don't think this should be allowed. I feel like save it for the round table. I'm surprised mm. that the show allows this to play out because with Survivor, it's like, it, dep- it, it of course there's going to be like those last minute conversations that happen because there are things that can't be said at Tribal when everyone's around. But the round table is like the opportunity where like production should be encouraging everyone to like have these conversations. So I feel like production should not only not allow this to happen, but should be like actively trying to stop people from having these conversations on the side because it's like, speak up at the round table. That's the whole point of the round table. I disagree. Because I think that it's important to have allies, whether they're 
it makes sense to have allies in this game or not. I think it's important for some people to be able to talk to each other, especially for traders to be able to talk to each other. Because if and when a time comes to turn on a trader, like I think you need to kind of have a way to communicate that to your fellow traders. And I, I don't know, I think it's like a really important, I see what you're saying, but I, I do think that it's like an important piece for the players to have this time. The problem for me is that I don't think that they've done a great job of capturing what's happening and showing it to us on TV. Yes. Yes. And, um, you end up just talking to the people that you're friends with, and then you end up being aligned with the people that you're friends with, because that's the way this game goes. So I'm not sure you get a ton of like dynamic conversations so much as just like people getting on the same page. For instance, mm. the conversations about Kate, it's like, we get it. Like everyone knows what's happening here. We don't need to like have a discussion about Kate at this point. Yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say about this episode in particular, you have this great moment where uh, Sari goes over to Kyle and is like, hey, Kyle, people are talking about you. And this is a great opportunity for sort of like trader sabotage because uh, that throws Kyle into a whole tizzy where he's running around and being like, hey, guys, I think I know who the trader is, but like, uh, I'd rather not say the name. And then people are like, what are you talking about? Just say a name. And then he's kind of like, so he's campaigning for Cody and he's not doing a good job of it. And then I think that just throws him off for the round table, which like, I don't, he might have given a better uh, performance at the round table had he not had Sari throw him off like that. Right. And I think that that, like, that was important to the episode and to Kyle's arc. Sure. I don't disagree. I think one of the flaws of these early episodes, though, that we've seen in so many of the roundtables is that, like, with UK, there are so many episodes in which there's, like, multiple people who are in contention. And I feel like what we've seen so far is, like, in this episode, for instance, once things swung around to Kyle, it was like it was... Of course everyone's going to band together and take out Kyle. Like, it just makes sense to do that. So... I guess for me, it's like the the inevitable. As soon as as soon as he went a little catatonic after Suri made that comment, which let's give Suri credit here because Suri really, you know, twisted his arm in a way that really made him, I don't know, the whatever something happens <laughs> when you twist someone's arm yeah. too hard. Um, <laughs> but I would have appreciated if there was like an alternative to Kyle that was presented here to sort of like not make it so. But I guess that's sort of part of the game, right? It's the hive-minded nature of, like, once a name is out there, it's really easy for everyone to get behind it. And all the more difficult why Kyle was not able to rally anyone around Cody at that point, because it's like, he just doesn't have the numbers. I mean, I did appreciate that. There's just always this question, Mark, around Kate, where it's like, Everyone seems convinced that, or not everybody, but like a decent amount of people seem convinced she could very well be a traitor. And yet she has gotten to this point, like five episodes in, where they're still not voting for her. And so I do, like, I do appreciate you have these moments where it's just Kate and Rachel kind of going after each other a little bit at the table. And it's like, maybe it'll be the time that the group gets on board with this. And yet they, they just haven't been able to sway it that way at this point. So like, yeah, I, 
did it feel inevitable that the Kyle vote was coming? I would say not until the actual vote started getting revealed or like right before the vote happened, because I, I do always sense this question mark around Kate or Rachel, to be honest, like whichever way they might want to go with that. Okay. Well, Kate is, sorry. <laughs> okay. Well, Kyle is eliminated and he is a faithful, so they are really uh, screwing this up one vote after another. And then Amanda's eliminated because of her COVID. Amanda did actually post a Instagram reel explaining that she got COVID. And she was like, let me clear up some rumors. (laughs) I don't know where people are spreading rumors about Amanda's departure from the traders, but uh, she, she had to clarify that she is not pregnant uh that she there was another rumor don't remember what it was but that she was not uh recruited to be amanda on traders uk i don't know (laughs) who was more iconic amanda on traders us or amanda on traders uk i'm not even (laughs) dignifying that with an answer okay well the traders have to meet in the turret, and this time they the are not turret. going to murder. Yeah, Sorry, the tur- it's Alan's turret. No, I believe it. I just you wanted to say the word. Okay, so they meet in the turret, and Alan surprises them, and he tells them, "You're not murdering tonight. In fact, you are going to put three people on trial." I would like to talk about this mechanic in the game of it was uh, giving the trial yeah jeff probes like season 42 like let's present a twist and the weird thing was like it was presented as like this sort of like you never know what's gonna happen like that's the fun of this game the twists and turns but like it like we people like people everyone wants people out of the game like they want the numbers to dwindle down as long as they're still there so it was just odd. It was an odd framework. And then, I, I, yeah, there was just a lot of confusion around it. Um, they Did they do this on UK? Yeah, they did. Okay, but but we had the shield introduced a lot more earlier and more regularly. I don't know about that. I think the shield was introduced quite late in UK. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Maybe just more episodes meant it had more time. Maybe. I was going to say, but episode five is the first time Alan enters the turret because like Claudia was like up in there pretty regularly. (laughs) I think he entered it like maybe the first or second time. Maybe the first. Actually, I don't know. But yeah, Claudia was up there all the time. Well, because the thing is in the UK, they got rid of Alyssa. It felt like kind of early. Not that early, but it was early enough. And then Claudia had to go have a talk and be like, wait, so, you, so you've lost a trader. And what are we going to do about that? And so that's when she presented them the option that they can recruit. So let me ask this with jumping off of that, because uh, again, I have not seen <clears throat> episode seven through 10 yet. I have reason to believe things are really going to amp up here. How do you think the show would have been received if all three, if like, if things continued the way they are so far and all three traders made it to the end? Do you think that would hinder the likelihood? Like, do you think that would hinder people's reaction to the show if the premise was like the UK got so lucky in the machinations of when they were eliminated and then that finale? 
Whereas like there's a world in which like the premise totally flops and all three traders make it through the end without any heat on them at all. And I'm not, I don't think that is going to happen. Um, but like we are halfway through the season with all three of our traders. Obviously we're beginning to see a target on Cody, but like, does it hurt the show if the traders not only win, but like all three of them go to the end? I would imagine if we had three traders at the end, there would be a problem with the game at some point, that the game might be a little bit broken. Either the traders have too much information or I like, I don't even know how it becomes three traders at the end. I'm not saying it can't happen in this season, but like, I don't know how it happens necessarily considering how the end game works in terms of like, <clears throat> well, I guess you could, I guess you could keep voting as the traders, if you want to stay trader strong. I do feel like though for the traders, and there may be an element of producer influence in this, that the producers might be talking to the traders and being like, so, ever considered getting rid of another trader? Right. You know, your prize fund increases, uh, or you, like the, the prize that you would walk away with increases. Uh, I do feel like those conversations are probably happening. So they, they might be nudging people towards that kind of an activity. But you could very well have a situation where, like, uh, you know, let, let's say like in UK, let's say Wilf goes home, right? Like, let's, let's say Wilf gets COVID and goes home. Yeah. I could see Amanda and Alyssa trying to get to the end together. Totally. And not going for each other. Totally. That's why I think it's interesting who's chosen as the traders because I imagine there's like some, you know, a questionnaire or something that takes place earlier on that asks the question of like, you know, what is the likelihood that you would backstab a fellow trader if you were chosen? Who do you feel the closest with, you know, at plain sight? Like, I think there are a lot of questions that the producers need to know in advance to try and see how they want to form this because there's just so much weight put on to whether or not like this show by its, this is the great thing about survivor. The reason why it's run for 43 seasons so far, 44 filming, um, which by the way, we need to do, uh, maybe we do a first impressions, but maybe that's a Patreon exclusive. Well, I think we'll we should go live it. again. I know, but I remember we went live and did a cast assessment and I made a PowerPoint presentation. I do remember that. I worry about myself in this situation. But anyway. Do you think you're going to get canceled by saying yes. something live? Yes. It's just for patrons. It's for family only. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm really, yeah. Okay. Well, what, what's the worst you could say? No, I'm not going to say anything like cancelable. I just don't think I'm going to come up. I'm not going to come off nicely. Anyway. Um, Evan, they know. Okay. Um, part of the great thing about Survivor being, being on the air for this long is it is such a well-oiled machine in that the game just sort of works on its own. Um, that's why you can just insert these AI-generated characters for season 44 and it will work. Whereas with the Traders, especially being in its first season, you need to see the show work at this point and it needs to kind of work out its flaws in a way because it, mm. it's not well-oiled. And so... There's a lot of weight on this first season. I mean, it goes back to, you know, Borneo being this lightning in a bottle season that made room for the show to work. Had Borneo not had a spe the ending, especially, Survivor would have never lived to see another day. Obviously, I haven't seen the Traders US finale, but I think, like, 
part of what will always be Traders lore, and my God, I hope this show runs for 40 plus seasons, is that the Traders UK got a Borneo level first season. Yeah. I like set it up for success. Agreed. I think that there are variations on the end. I, I'm not like trying to hint or tiptoe around anything about the US ending, but I, I feel like there are variations to that UK ending that could work just as well. Um, I think it would be interesting to see like, uh, imagine an ending where it's like the UK, but like they they vote one more time and they accidentally vote a faithful out or something like that. Like, wouldn't mm. that be interesting? I feel like yeah. there are, or like they've got all the, tra- or they've got all the traders out and the faithfuls are sitting there being like, well, surely there has to be another one. You know what I mean? Like, I do think mm-hmm. like once it comes down to that ending, I feel like there are moral choices on either side that you're on. And I think there's multiple moral choices that make the result riveting. Even if like you're happy or unhappy with the result. I think the format of the ending of like handing the game over to the players is always going to be interesting. Yes, like the UK like really got like a transcendent sort of like ending that was all time great. But I think that even if it had been like skewed another way, like imagine, uh, okay, spoiler, imagine Wilf wins. Do you think that that's a problem for the UK ending? No, but not is that to not derail like catch us. winning? So it depends on the other three people's reactions because there's a world. I told you this at the time. I think that it's like the show got really lucky in how quickly everyone forgave Wilf, but like Wilf really did go super left at the end in terms of like the mental stress of the game was taking a toll. And it was dissipated very quickly because all four of the these finalists are like legends and like know how to you know do the thing. But there's a world in which Wilf wins again, though this might have created iconic television. But there's a world in which that happens. And what's her name? Blonde, Hannah. Hannah. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, Hannah, for forgetting your name. Icon. There's a world in which like Hannah goes wild in learning that she's been backstabbed yeah. by her friend, which. Yeah, would have been maybe interesting television also, but very, very different. But yeah, I mean, like the the great thing about the UK finale is you walk away and you feel heart warmed by yeah. a show that was a heartwarming show. Yeah, and so the, the the end, like the 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 end, but matched, like it, there, it wasn't like a wild tonal shift in the show. Yes. And not only did like the three heroes win, but like Wilf was given bizarrely i don't even know how this happened but like in the literally i was gonna say the 11th hour it's like 11 55 at this point and wilf is sort of like you like him by the very end mm-hmm. like he comes back very quickly um mm-hmm. oh god i missed that show <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm really hoping, I've like heard rumors, I think I already said this, that they're trying to p- pull together a celebrity edition of it. Because the thing with the UK is that they would always do, I mean, I just, I'm equating this to Big Brother UK a lot because it, it's had a very similar trajectory in terms of like surprise, huge hit show, massive hit show spread by word of mouth and simple concept, easy to pull off more or less. Uh, you can like really pull this thing together quickly, I think. And, uh, and the way that they capitalized on that with Big Brother in the UK was that uh, 
at in the summertime you had the civilian big brother and in the wintertime you had the celebrity big brother it was shortened uh you know it was like a little less strenuous but same idea and i and it and it worked like like sometimes you get these like celebrity editions of shows and they're just like ugh. but like these celebrity big brothers are like tr- like some some of the most iconic reality television i've ever seen and so like i think you could really do that with the traders totally i also feel like people that there's like this is a show for like gamers like so it's just like even people that like i think there are people that would even be less interested in like the fame of of being on a reality show thing and just people that would be like this sounds really fun yeah kind of like those early survivor seasons when it was like i want the adventure of a lifetime um not to like bond with the survivor community <sighs> anyway um <laughs> Oh my god, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Sean. I know, I know, I know. Some look, some <laughs> some <laughs> some people are in it for the adventure of a lifetime. Some just want to be friends with Owen. You know? Different strokes for different folks. Yeah. So Let's talk about uh, uh, the trial because they choose to put Kate, Rachel, and Angelica, whoever that is, up for Every time trial. you say that, I think of Angelica Schuyler from Hamilton. And I'm like, what's she doing here? <laughs> Get her on the traders. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> Get all of them on the traders. Get yeah, all of the that'd be fun. Schuyler sisters. Uh, okay. Hey, musical theater. Is this the show we talked musical theater on? Has to be right, yeah. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, yeah, of course. It was as yeah, 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 the whole thing, yeah, of course. By the oh, way, wow. <laughs> I went back and like re-listened to that episode, and I I don't tend to listen to our episodes because I experience them now. We were like, I mean, sometimes we get a little unhinged. That was like particularly unhinged. Yeah. I just kept thinking all day. The next day, I just kept thinking about. The, the taking taking the pants off on the bus, which didn't make sense because I was like, in my head, I was like, oh yeah, the bus is so cold, she has to take the pants off. But in my head, I was like, no, the bus is cold because it's hot outside and it's hot outside, so she's taking her pants off, but it doesn't make sense that she's taking them off in the bus because it's it's cold, so she actually wants them on, but you so expertly spun it by saying, yeah, well, she took them off to wrap them around. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was one shoulders. of the- <laughs> And that's just what I was like all day the next day. I was like, just like imagining Azra with the- jeans wrapped around her shoulders and just like crying laughing but like contorting her body (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um i will say though like i what i love about this listenership of ours um is the amount of people on the instagram post that were ready to jump in and engage with our lunacy they were so ready that one person, <laughs> before I, because like we we oh, wait. late. We're we're in a we're in a we're in a bad routine right now. We're recording late. They're going up at like midnight. I'm not putting a post up on Instagram at midnight, so I'm waiting until the next morning. Well, some people are ready, and so instead of waiting for the post, they just po- they just commented on the last post I had, which was a picture of Todd from Survivor China, tagged at, at Azra Valani. And said, <laughs> who, as we know, is logged on, who's logged on and said, she, she's so cold. She took her pants off and wrapped them around her 
shoulders. And I don't know if Azra saw that notification. I hope she did. And uh, hopefully she's listening now as a result. But th- yeah, thank you for like, first of all, putting up with this. And then second of all, interacting with it. Okay, so Angelica. Angelica is no Azra, I'll tell you that. No. So and Angelica, Rachel, and Kate are up for trial. It's an interesting choice because in the UK, they did put a traitor up. I want to say it was Wilf. Or was it Alyssa? You know what? Could have been any of them. I'm rusty on my traitors. I'll tell you that much. So they put Maybe all at some three point we faithfuls. do we do a UK recap for Patreon or something at some point. Whew. I would love that. Because that's the thing. It's like we've never really gone deep on UK, you and I together. No. I just, I'm, I'm just constantly desperately bringing it up. Maybe we get UK oh. cast members to come on and talk Traders UK with us. So we have two that have already agreed to be on. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Because Maddie said that she doesn't watch US. I was thinking about bringing her on for this. So maybe we bring Maddie and Aaron on for Traders UK. And then honestly, maybe we try and get the top five. What, maybe we try to get Claudia Winkleman. Oh my God. She's too famous. I mean, she's literally so famous to me. Like she had... is like to me. I don't know this. I'm just like to me. She is the Angelina Jolie of the UK. I hear you. Um, we've had Sarah Michelle Gellar call in to this podcast, so like, I know, but I said she's the Angelina Jolie of the UK. Okay, well, Sarah Michelle Gellar is the Sarah <laughs> Michelle Gellar of the US. <laughs> what are you trying to prove over there? <laughs> Um, all right, we're getting Claudia Winkleman. It's settled. Okay, perfect. Amazing. This all leads to the iconic breakfast. I think the, and okay, well, we can fight about this. But the no, UK like, had an iconic breakfast in episode four when you had uh, the couple revealed Tom. Tom and Alex? That sounds right. The girl was Alex. Yeah. The woman. She's pretty. She's very pretty. The they really have been going for it on TikTok. Like, they really leaned into the traitor's TikTok hard. So, I want to do a separate episode about this at some point. I'm frustrated with current reality stars and social media. And I want to <laughs> talk about it at some point. Feels dangerous. I was going to say it feels pointed, because it is pointed. Um, I know. And it does feel dangerous as well. Yeah, but... Patreon exclusive family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go live. So, when we your family. <laughs> so that was our iconic breakfast in the UK. I think our closest to iconic breakfast we're getting here in the US is with episode six, because of course there is no murder. And so all of this, like who's coming? Are they going to be there? They're not going to be there. doesn't matter because nobody was murdered because we've got the trial. But what we do get is Rachel walking in in... Well, first of all, we get Kate walking in in a beret and a green sort of like Argyle-ish sweater vest. Yeah, from Rowing Blazers. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Important it's actually it's gonna hey, matter. It's going to matter later. Wait, that's it. So, hold on. Stop. Evan is going... Oh, my God. <laughs> I have the Diana version. Evan just walked to his closet, which is in plain sight and always has been in plain sight as we record this podcast, and pulled out the exact (laughs) (laughs) item of clothing that Kate is wearing, except in red. Well, that's the traditional. Yeah. Okay. 
You know this is like the Princess Diana sweater, right? Well, look, I trust I know. Okay, Kate well, Chastain made me well aware. So let me. I'm, I'm getting. Oh, I'm getting you're right. I'm painting I'm so a picture. Sorry. sorry, I'm painting a picture. Rachel Riley walks in in more of a maximalist look. Yeah, uh, that's a great a, description. Uh, a Victorian, a, a sort of like a sexy Victorian garb. I would yes, say. it's it's like a regional theater production of cabaret with like, but it, Sweeney Todd. Yeah, I'll accept that. <laughs> okay, sure. It is a wild look for breakfast. It's a wild look for any meal. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Except for like a Halloween potluck. Sure. Still, you'd be turning heads. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> and so, so Rachel's kind of going on, and this is where it's, it's really starting to boil over between Rachel and Kate. And Rachel makes some comment about how, uh, uh, who you know, she thinks she knows who the traitors are, or something like that, or she thinks she knows who's murdered. Uh, before Rachel says anything, we get Kate saying under her breath. The outfit is funny, which I think is an iconic moment. I do, I will argue that not the fight necessarily, and maybe it is, but but I'm not arguing that at this time. What I'm arguing is that just the image of Rachel entering the room and then the close-up on Kate's face and saying to nobody in particular, that's that outfit is funny, is an iconic moment for me. Okay, will you meme it and post it? Absolutely. Because I would just be curious to see <laughs> if people feel it's iconic. I don't think it meets the bar, but I respect you so much that I'm like, if you find it iconic, there's a world in which I would revisit it at some point and sense iconography. I think for me, this is such a dumb feud between the two of them because really, Kate just doesn't like Rachel for no reason at all because Kate's just the kind of person that goes on a show like this, set, looks at someone, says, I'm not going to like you. And then Rachel is like, Rachel is used to fighting, but fighting with people that in a game where it's like there's strategy or like some sense of knowing one another. I think for Rachel, it's like she's just not on, I want to say even playing field because like they're both, they, it's not that's not what it is, but it's like Rachel just doesn't. Uh, it's like the way Kate is going for Rachel is very like schoolyard bully, mm -hmm. and I think Rachel's just sort of very thrown off by that because I don't think Rachel knew that that was going to be the kind of person she'd be dealing yeah. with on a show like this. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. I agree, and. I think Rachel's trying to give it back. Like, I think Rachel's doing her best to be like, oh, oh, so this is the TV thing I'm doing right, right now. So, like, I'm going to give it back. And I don't think, like, Rachel actually feels that strongly about it. I think she's annoyed by her and is like, why, do I, why is this being targeted at me? But I don't think she, like, has strong feelings about Kate either way as a person. Rachel's reaction is, oh, this person's attacking me. So what does one do when they're attacked? More likely than not. Well, they can, one of two things. They either, you know, uh, go inside themselves or they fight back and Rachel's fighting back. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, like, that, and maybe this is why it's iconic. I'm not, but, like, arguing that. But, like, I just don't think either of them are, like, I keep thinking about, you don't watch Real Housewives of Potomac, right? No. So there's this one housewife, Candace, and it's like, 
she can read the house down. And so it's like, if you say something to Candace and you come for Candace in any way, you're going to immediately regret it. She's going to eviscerate you. And with these women, I'm just like, neither of them are at the level, especially not Kate Chastain, where it's like, sure, you can make fun of Rachel's outfit. Maybe it makes for like a good laugh for the viewers. But like, Kate, you are like not at the level to be able to like really create, like Brandy, I think could have like put Rachel in her place. Mm. I just don't think Kate's at the level. Okay. What Kate says to Rachel is, I wouldn't wear that outfit. So I don't think I totally trust your judgment. And Rachel responds something like, well, look at your outfit. And that's when Kate reveals that she's got Princess Diana on her side. Yeah, I would have preferred her just to like identify the brand of rowing blazers and allow Mm. like have it be like an if you know, you know moment. Because I feel like this sort of underscores everything that Kate is to me, which is that like she's very much a tell don't show person. Um... And I prefer the opposite. So that's that. Well, I have to say, like, I didn't know the Princess Diana connection. And so I I really enjoyed that. That was for me, actually. Got it. Get her on the trader. Oh. (laughs) I'm listening to Prince Harry's audiobook. Well, we need to. I mean, that's. We don't have time for that. Okay. Kate's had it with the game at this point. She's ready to like just go home, sabotage. This is where we just get like chaos Kate. And so you have this barrel rolling mission, which is not my favorite mission. I don't like this mission unless it's got Andrea and Meryl rolling barrels. I'm just not interested. I get it as like, it's like actually a proper challenge, but I just don't find it interesting. And can we talk about the finish line or like, Because they just sort of arrive to this area and then just like seem to be like placing the barrels. And of course they do that. Like there's three seconds left on the clock. Will they be able to get this barrel up from its side standing up? But like, if you look on the ground, there's nothing there. Like I think it was just like, get the barrels over to this area. So Yeah. yeah, I do. I understand. I mean, this happened on Snake on the Grass, I'm sure it happens on Survivor all the time, where it's like, everything is down to the wire. I can understand, like, it makes for better television, and for the less savvy eye, like, it does, you do feel it, even if you know what's happening. But I was a little bit just like, what are the mechanics of this challenge? Totally. And And also... Just every challenge is one second on the clock. Yeah, and you want a little bit more... Like, I like the idea behind this challenge, of, like, you have to make decisions... But, like, I need them to be, like, a little bit more, like, there needs to be more, like, strategy to the decisions. Because it's, like, well, should we take this $1,000 barrel or this $5,000 barrel, even though the $5,000's heavier? It's, like, yeah, you're going to take the 5000 barrel. Like, come on. Like, and also, yeah. like, after or a while. Like, or if there's a if there's a $20,000 barrel, you got to lose your armory barrels. Yes. Something like a choice. Yeah. Yes. And so, but the the thing is now, this is the point where groups within a challenge actually makes sense because, you know, if your group brings the armory barrels, you get to visit the armory and potentially get a shield. This is the only time that teams in a challenge make sense. And yet, like, even after it's introduced, it doesn't come up every time that you could potentially get a shield. So it's like still a little, I think we got to work that out. After the challenge, we get Stephanie 
confiding in Christian, who is a traitor, that she thinks Cody is a traitor. And I think this like opens, like starts to spark something in Christian's dumb little mind where he's like, wait a second, like this could be my opportunity here. And so Christian goes to Sari and says, hey, ever thought about taking Cody out? And uh, so that's kind of like where we're left before going into this cliffhanger round table. But also we have the visit to the armory and we should talk about that because I got conspiracy theories about the armory. Well, I've got one and that it's completely, completely producer influenced who gets the shield. And I don't think it makes a difference here, but just the mechanics of like, they're sitting outside and then one by one, they go into a room completely alone and open a box. It's like, they could give the shield to whoever they want. Mm -hmm. You either have a room full of empty boxes or you have a room full of boxes with shields in them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't love yeah. that. I think, I think we, need, we need to have everybody go into the room together and yeah. open their boxes. Going back to, though, to like Christian going to Surrey, I thought this was a little bit weird because if I were Christian, I would recognize the fact that like Suri and Cody have the bond of both being reality TV veterans. You would assume there's some kind of alliance there on some level. And so for Christian to not think that Suri would then go and tell Cody and use that as ammo to pit the two of them against one another and gain some trust from Cody is really, really wild. Um, and also the fact that Co like there's a world in which Christian maneuvers this without Suri if he really wanted to. But again, it was sort of like confusing how, but I guess this is the game, but like how all of a sudden it's just like, it goes from Christian considering Cody to then being like, I'm going for Cody. And it's like, yeah. are we there yet for you strategically? Like, I don't see it. Um, but well, part of the reason it was, it was so, so like powerful for Wilf to go for Alyssa is like Amanda had no idea, right? Like when right. you saw Amanda, and then I'm talking UK, obviously, when Amanda sees Wilf start to go for Alyssa and she has to like clock into that at the round table and like follow that lead, like that's a great moment. And I feel like if Christian was a smarter person, he would take that approach. Yes. Uh, especially if he knows, like, okay, St Stephanie's feeling Cody. Like, we've got other people. I don't need to rely on my fellow traitor to pull this off. Uh, but we don't actually know what happens at the round table because all we really get is Kate and Rachel going at each other a little bit. Kate kind of being like, send me home. And then Stephanie and Sari vouching for Rachel. And and the cliffhanger is somebody asking Sari, uh, well, you know, if you don't think Kate's a traitor and you don't think Rachel's a traitor, then please tell us who is a traitor. So remind me, just because it's been a minute since I've watched, does Sari's the deciding vote? They're, they haven't voted. This is oh, still in okay. discussion. Oh, yeah. It's just heavily implied that whatever Sari is going to say is going to like change the course of the conversation. Whether that happens or not, we will find out in the next episode. I bet you might maybe already know. <laughs> I you know don't what? know. I, I genuinely don't know who goes home at this point. It's been so long. My brain has, and I'm now I'm in like Australian survivor mode and I'm like, I'm rewatching these episodes. I was like, holy fuck, what are these people's names? Like, I've been stressing Astronaut. around this, so yeah, we're gonna, but we'll get there. We will get there. I'm excited. We're getting into the end game, and it's and it's. I, I I would say I would hazard to say it's an exciting end game, and we've got like 
an iconic mission coming up. Looking forward to it. I'm excited to say I'm interviewing Alan Cumming tomorrow for Shut Up yes. Heaven, but I'm going to build in one or two trader questions that I'll take out of the Shut Up Evan, and we will distribute them through Drop Your Buffs. So stay tuned. I, w- I don't think I'll be able to get like as in the weeds as I'd like to with him yeah. about the traders. Um, the funny thing is, he thinks tomorrow is an hour-long interview about the traders that we're doing. That's what was sold to him by his people. Oh. Little does he know, we will be talking about the traders for 10 minutes. Um, and Spice World for 20 minutes. And Spice World for 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> I'm cutting my Romy and Michelle's question because I was kind of like, there's really nothing to say there. Um, but anyway, so I will be able to hopefully get some chard of tea from him. Yeah. Very curious to hear what like he has to say because <clears throat> I don't know how invested or not invested he is in this show. I think he's pretty invested. I watched a little bit of some of the content around it and... The interesting thing when it comes to Alan Cumming is it's like he doesn't need the check. Yeah. So it's there's no reason for him to do this. And, and I think Alan Cumming has a Mike White-like quality in him where he just likes doing unexpected things that are, you know, it's like Alan Cumming has a fragrance that he released called Cumming. He owns a bar is in Club the East Cumming Village. Is Club Cumming still a thing? Yeah. Is that oh, still yeah. a thing? yeah. He's huh. written memoirs. He's written children's books. He's been on Broadway. Like, it's just like, the, I think the breadth of his career kind of shows you that it's like as unexpected as The Traders is, it actually like fits very comfortably in the weirdness mm. of the guy that's been Hamlet and also in Spy Kids and also in James Bond and also in Romy Michelle's. Like, it's, it's, it makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Okay, very excited for that. Little Alan coming exclusive. Coming soon. Coming. Say coming again. <laughs> okay. Speaking of coming, we're going um, because this is uh, this is it for the traders episodes five and six. Yeah, but speaking of coming, uh, if you log on to Drop Your Ruffs Instagram right now, there are some new photos of Ethan. Not new photos, old photos, but new photos that we've just dropped that are worth coming and checking out. It's been wild because it's like we in, we literally interviewed a legend of Survivor, Ethan Zone. Uh, I know you're going to say. Winner of Survivor. What? I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. Is this engagement? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Go I'm f- fucking furious because <laughs> we have this interview. I put up a wonderful video. I spent so much time, even though there's typos in it, working on this video. <laughs> I post it. Drop Your Buffs has Ethan from Survivor. Okay, well, it gets like 260 likes maybe. I put up three shirtless pictures of Ethan from 20 years ago. It's got double the likes within 30 minutes. I thank you, but come on. Listen to the episode, like the content. Listen to the episode, but I do think we need to really <laughs> lean into thirst. Yeah, we need to lean into the coming. The coming. Uh, okay, but we got to go. <laughs> Yeah, we got to go. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming Traders Recaps. We are recapping Australian Survivor Heroes versus Villains. We have more iconic interviews coming. So much fun stuff. Go check out our Patreon. Check out our Instagram. All the links to that are in the show notes below. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.